No, he's not down here. Okay, have you got the sack? I've got the sack. Okay, get... Uh, oh, <laughs> no, where, where? You see him? I th- think he's under the cushion. There, head of birth, are you there? There, there he's going. Lift the cushion. You. Oh, no, no, he's over there. Adam, pass me the bin, quick. Uh, wait, uh, oh, uh, he's getting away. All right, up there, on the shelf, on the shelf. How did he get up there? Oh, no. Why is he overstimulated? He, the toys, he's breaking the toys. Oh, no, don't... Do that to Gordon. What did you do to him? Why is he overstimulated? I I don't know. Yeah, he's been the same since he got back from Hooverville. He met Graham Harper, don't you know? He did. Oh, he's making his way to the kitchen. The cat flap. Oh, God. Oh, he's going to breed now. (sighs) Yeah. The neighbours will... I'm worried about the neighbours' cats. Oh, God. Is that them I hear calling? Oh, well... Welcome to Staggering Stories number 167. Mm. Ho. Welcome, welcome, one and all, to this Staggering Stories podcast number 167. I'm Keith. I'm Asdaman. I'm Adam. And that's your lot, I'm afraid, for tonight, yes? Another sausage fest. Yes, yeah, (laughs) we have been stricken down with plagues of one sort or another. Well, it's quality, not quantity. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll let you mention that to fake Keith and Gene. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But okay, without further ado, we shall bound into... The news. Shatner. New album Terror. Oh, dear. oh yes. I, I was hoping you were going to say dead then, but <laughs> no, no. You you just wait. There's plenty of that to come. <laughs> I won't stop him. No. <laughs> That's what worries me. He'll be remastered and re-released in a big box set. <laughs> it will be a big box set. <laughs> it's a huge box set. <laughs> Will- on top. Yeah. <laughs> William the Shat Shatner has announced his latest musical work. Oh, God. Yes, in inverted commas, in the form of a new prog rock album named Ponder the Mystery. Shouldn't that be Ponder the Mystery? There we are. (laughs) Sorry, I thought I had to nudge you again then. (laughs) Captain Toupe has called it quite possibly the most creative thing I've ever done. Oh my God. (laughs) Pass me the sick bucket now. (laughs) And his press release claimed it's a momentous concept album (laughs) focusing on such rich and timeless themes such as ageing, depression, love and beauty. (laughs) Oh! Sorry about that. Well, it's fake Keith here. (laughs) In spirit, it seems. (laughs) Unfortunately, Crumbly isn't here. But does anyone else recognise some of Shatner's collaborators? Steve Vai, Rick Wakeman, (laughs) Hawkwind's Simon House, Nick Turner... Tangerine Dreams, Edgar Froze, Jazz DJ, Aldi... That word. Melina. Yeah, who knows? Aldi Melina and country superstar Vince Gill. 
know. No, I'm sure Andy and all of them. And, and, and after this, we shall never hear from them again. <laughs> no, Obviously no. not my kind of music. Yeah. We've seen the cover to it, haven't we? Yes. Sort of trance album sort of cover. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sunset with the sun very low on the horizon, yeah. and you're just against a beach and a sandy sea, or whatever, and you have his silhouette standing yeah, there. Yeah, oh, him standing yes. there. Yeah, well, yeah. a large silhouette standing <laughs> there. With or without toupee. I think it's sort of glued down. Doesn't often go without toupee anyway. So. Stop no. hitting me around the head I'm there. I'm sorry. Babylon 5. JMS speaks after Breaking Bad reference. Oh, okay. Bad? There was, yeah. Ooh. A recent episode of AMC's Amazing Breaking Bad featured some of the characters talking about Babylon 5. Prompting some to ask why B5 isn't on US TV anymore. Yeah. J. Michael Straczynski, creator of B5, responded with... Some hard facts. Because Babylon 5 isn't on the air in the US anywhere, it's impossible for the show to add new viewers, except one at a time, friend to friend. Mm. Or if you've heard about it enough to want to shell out money for the DVDs. Casual viewers can't stumble across it while channel surfing... Either WB has to be convinced to release the show somewhere, or a network like Siffy or Chilla. That's sci-fi to us English people. Indeed. <laughs> or another along those lines has to be prompted to pick it up. If not, quite honestly, and without any way to add new viewers, the show will eventually slide into obscurity. This ain't something I can do or even directly participate in. It's up to the fans now. Ain't never going to be sufficient heat for the new B5 as long as the original sits on the shelf, gathering dust instead of viewers. Mm. JMS also pointed out that despite creating B5 and writing 92 of the 110 episodes, Ooh. he doesn't own it. Yeah. Warner yeah. Brothers stars. Outrageous. Yes. I know. So there was some... People asking, can he kickstart new B5? Because he can't he he, no, own it. He, no, it's, it's got no legal right to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 92 out of 110, that's yeah, a there, feat. There, there was some mm. point in time when he wrote a whole season, 22 episodes, yeah. by himself. Yeah, season three and four, he wrote every episode. Season five, he wrote all but one. Yeah. Because Neil Gaiman wrote that one. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. It's, quite uh, something. It's, it's quite a, quite a feat. Mm. Bring out your dead... <laughs> the Grim Reaper has been a busy little boy recently, fingering the following. You're a sick man. He <laughs> <laughs> does. Christopher Burgess. No, not our RFS podcast friend. The 86-year-old actor had three roles in classic Doctor Who. Swan in Troughton's Enemy of the World, two Pertwee-era roles of Professor Philip in Terror of the Autons, and Barnes in Planet of the Spiders. Gerald Murphy, the 64-year-old, not a good innings, really. No. Actor and director is probably best known to Who fans as Lady Painfort's manservice, Richard Maynard, in McCoy's Silver Nemesis. It is unknown whether he'll be buried near any llamas. Should be. <laughs> Frederick Paul, the 93-year-old multi-award-winning SF author. Some of the most celebrated work includes 1976 Man Plus, 1977's Gateway, and 1980's Gem. Mm. AC mm. and Carol Crispin. 
the 63-year-old novelist, probably best known for her works in the well-respected tie-in books for Star Trek, Star Wars, and novelizations for V and Alien Resurrection. Mm. You may know her from such books as the Han Solo trilogy, Star Trek's Yesterday's Son, Sarek, plus her own Stanbridge series. Starbridge. Sorry, Starbridge. Mm. I'm not sure about the Han Solo trilogy, but I did re- remember reading Yesterday's Sun and Sarek, and they were good books. They, they gripped mm. you and managed to take you along with them. So, were these before Next Gen, that sort of... I think they were before Next Gen, yeah. you know, yeah. in, in the Gap decade. So, yeah, mm. that, that's a shame, that is. It is, yeah. It is. Two great writers gone there. Yeah. I'm a little bit sad about Gerard Murphy. I mean, he was quite young, and he was possibly the, the best character out of Silver Nemesis, yes. the only person you could yeah. feel anything for. <laughs> and again, yeah. it's, an, it's another one you would have liked to have had as a companion because he would have been very much like Jamie used to. Yeah. You know, you could rattle away these scientific explanations and he'll just sit there and go, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. An easy way to explain everything yeah. in the plot, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was good. He was a bit of humour yeah. to him. And... Yeah, oh god, yeah. I mean, I, I remember when um, they first projected Ford through time and the, I can't remember where they were. Tea but, shop, wasn't it? Uh, no, no, no. It, <laughs> was, it was after the tea shop. Incident, oh, okay. And you got uh, Lady Painful standing there doing her business. While <laughs> really? In, in the bushes? Yeah. Well, in the <laughs> foreground, you had um, Maynard sta- on his knees and, and I would give back the money to uh, Johnson, <laughs> yeah. the t- you know, <laughs> praying for absolution. Yes. It's a shame. It is. Do you any addendums? I have one one addendum that oh, right. I, I've um, noted on my troll around the web, which I usually do. Uh, DC are into in a, a slight quandary of, oh, yes. um, how can I put it? A quagmire of morals at the moment. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Well, they have a character on their range, Batwoman. Batwoman. Batwoman is... Um, bat. Yeah, a woman made of bat. No, Batwoman is um, <laughs> a lesbian character, which is all very groundbreaking and, and, and fantastic. And, I'm not sure that groundbreaking yeah, isn't well, there. A... Well, you know, they're, yeah. they're trying, they're yeah, trying. Yeah. But the way the plot story is going and has been pushing, according to the writers, is they want to marry her off. They want, mm-hmm. her, they want the character to get married. So yep. it's a, a proper lesbian relationship with another woman married. Yep. To which DC have put their foot down and said, no, you, you can't do that mm-hmm. with this character. We're not allowing you to do that. So the writers have walked off the comic. They've, yeah. they've abandoned it. and they Really? Just, they've just walked. The excuse DC has come up in recent days is yep. we cannot allow our characters to marry because our heroes can't be happy. <laughs> oh. Haven't Spider-Man been married? Yep. And that's, uh, Superman probably married yeah, too. Yeah, uh, yeah I think yeah. Superman has been married, but he's had a heterosexual marriage. But yeah, because yeah. this is Spider-Man a Spider-Man did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this is a gay marriage, they have. Oh, well, I'm not saying it's because this is a gay marriage, but this is a gay marriage. Yeah. And uh, DC bosses have stepped in and gone. Yeah. Nope, we're not allowing that. It's hard to know if if that was the reason or that is the just reason. The appearance maybe is unfortunate. Yes, yeah. that's the reason they have given is the fact that we can't allow our heroes to be happy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it'd be a leap forward for yeah, the comic, yeah, wouldn't it? Exactly, yeah. exactly. They've got no problem it with it. Opens up all possibilities for storylines, doesn't it? It's, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but there we go. There we go. Yep. The powers of B have spoken. Is that it for the news? Um, oh, just uh, one minor piece of news, if I can find it. I was meant to have mentioned this last time, but I didn't. How selfish of you, Keith. I know. I forgot. Got <laughs> short-term memory is always the first to go. Tom Play Baker some... dead? Uh, no, Tom <laughs> Baker is not dead. Yeah. 
As you know, I like to dabble occasionally in the role-playing games. It's yep. true, yes. he does. Yes. I do dabble, dress up as well. No, no, wrong <laughs> form for that. Um, the Time Traveller's Companion, which was done by the Cubicle 7. Oh, uh, yeah. It's yep. one of the supplements for their Doctor Who game. I have it. Yeah. Has won an award. I can't oh, remember really? what the oh, award it was, but it's mentioned that but it's one, uh, I think it's the best supplement for a game award. Oh, that's really good. Oh, yes, well done. So, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. When they put them out, they're quite good. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're back to that old bug there. <laughs> yeah. Where is the third Doctor source book? <laughs> that, at the moment, is at the printers. Okay. Printer. Where's the PDF, then? PDF. Uh, the well, uh, the, I think... No, no, tell me, it's not the printers. It's still at the BBC, ready to go uh, to the printers. Okay. The other two have been written, ready to go to the BBC, and I think they're working on the 6th or the 7th at the moment. Okay. So I've got the first one in uh, hardback. Yeah. Have got the second one in PDF? I, yeah, the second one is out in PDF. I think I have that. Uh, it's not out in hardback as of yet. The third one is, no with, <laughs> is with the BBC. Yeah, okay. I always feel embarrassed about mentioning this because it's a beautiful game. It's a wonderful game and I would recommend anyone out there to buy it. Yeah, but it's, yeah. again, this same old bugbear with whenever I mention it to Adam, well, where is it? You know, it's been five years <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. I don't know. It's not my fault. I don't have my finger in the cubicle seven pie as it were. <laughs> just I recommend it whenever you get a chance to get it. Yeah, like, you should, you should. I just wish they'd be quicker about it. Yeah, give <laughs> you the chance. Got to wait for quality. Yes. Yeah. Um, anything else? No. 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 Nope. Okay. I think that endeth the news. Mm. My lords, ladies and gentlemen. Please be upstanding for the judge and the trial of Attack of the Cybermen. Okay, if you have your opening statements, gentlemen... Your Honour. Please, thank you. I will be here defending today the fine, fine story that is Attack of the Cybermen and the brilliant Doctor that is Colin Baker and his sixth incarnation. Where to begin? It was obviously the first story of Colin Baker's first full season and as such had a lot to get over after the rather ropey first story of his, The Twin Dilemma, at the end of Peter Davison's final season. So there's a lot of work to do but I think it pulled it off admirably and gave us a look at how his Doctor could be. He was still a bit unsettled after his regeneration. I believe the word is. A bit cranky. Yeah, a little bit, but but he was getting there. And the friction between him and Perry was much reduced already at this point. But more importantly, this is a story which really brings Doctor into the modern era. In the episodes were 45 minutes long. And that dramatically changed the pace and gave us much more time to concentrate on character rather than just quickly rushing up to a cliffhanger and then back down again. This only had the one cliffhanger. Far, far better way of doing things. But in many ways, it is the forebringer of modern Who. Okay, we did have some 45-minute episodes in Davison's time, but those were actually just two 25 minutes put together. Yes. This is the first designed for 45-minute. We have the Cybermen back in their great... 80s version, but more than that, we see them actually converting humans into Cybermen. But first, we've heard about it before, now we've finally seen it. And it looked a little messy. <laughs> it did. <laughs> 
Damn, he's doing a really good job. Do <laughs> <laughs> so I take a break while you uh, yes. do some prosecution? Repost. Indeed, I shall repost. Attack of the Cybermen. One big mess of continuity. <laughs> Rather than go back and explain the continuity of the Cybermen from start to finish of Who up to the point of 1985, mm-hmm. it actually leaves quite a few plot holes. Plot holes, eh? Indeed. The story itself, here's a few things I noted. Mm-hmm. Why does Lytton abduct Griffiths when he could have taken the policemen with him? They were a bit simple-minded. <laughs> and Griffiths wasn't? He was humorous. He was humorous, indeed. <laughs> How can you turn a comet or a large snowball into a bomb? Some say that a comet was what caused the extinction of the dinosaurs. A bomb might be an odd phrase, but <laughs> the effect is the same, causing a, a huge explosion on the planet as it hit, filling okay. the atmosphere with debris. So that leads me on to the next question... Why did the Cybermen want to destroy Telos? They were just going away and thought, well, why leave this planet here? Why not let's blow up the surface, see what happens? <laughs> And also, he kills off the cryons, which obviously they've got a bit of a, a beef with. Indeed. Uh, and while we're on the subject of explosives, why did they lock the Doctor and the cryons up in a room full of Vaskill, which was incredibly explosive? I think that's something to do with the plot. <laughs> <laughs> there was a plot, it's true. So they assumed the Doctor would be able to do nothing with it because it was too cold for it to be active, you see. That's it. Now, this is the point where Doctor Who turns very adult, very grim. There's some heavy Eric Saywoodisms. <laughs> while we're on the subject have we decided who wrote the story is it uh, paula moore eric sayward yeah. or levine <laughs> not sergeant benton no, no. <laughs> it's one of our deeper mysteries of this episode the, the best thing yeah. about the story is the mystery of how it came to pass really <laughs> yes it appears that it was sayward for the most part yeah with perhaps a few ideas thrown in for me and levine so but who knows do we feel that the the violence overstepped the mark for a show that had just returned to Saturday tea time at about 5.30-ish. Mm. Hand-crushing scenes. Well, you wouldn't get out of New Who. You don't have, don't have blood in New Who. But it does highlight the horror that is the Sidemen themselves. It's a horrific idea, and the fact that they could crush your hands, it doesn't matter to them, because they're going to lop off your arms anyway. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, John Nathan Turner. We should lop his hands off too. We should definitely <laughs> lop his hands off. Do, do you think if we'd lopped his hands off, he wouldn't have started uh, changing things for change's sake? Say the chameleon circuit. <laughs> that was another genius part of this story. I think you'll find a great publicity stunt. He never intended to have it changed permanently, the police box. But it was a, a nice way to get the press interested in the new season, a new Doctor, who admittedly had a rather dodgy start in his first story. He to bring people back in to, to see what was going on. So we substitute a police box for some other interesting objects. Mm. A grand piano or an organ? Organ. Organ, organ I think, yes, yes. Colin plays his organ. <laughs> he does play with his organ. <laughs> and uh, what is that thing in the junkyard? A, a, a dresser? A, a wall unit? Kind of wardrobe? Or... Yeah, I think, no, I think it was a wall unit. I remember my aunt... <laughs> Flo used to have one almost exactly like it. As floral? About, maybe not as floral, but the same shape. And that was probably about uh, 10 years, 20 years before then. Yeah. <laughs> other, other great things I think we can, we can point to. 
is that it is very dark in the sewers, which it mm. should be. There mm-hmm. are no lights in the sewers. And there are lots of complaints from the technicians that it was so dark. But it's perfect for that. Unfortunate lighting in the TARDIS, when you get into the console room, it's a little too bright by comparison. But it really highlights how well those sewer shots were done, I think. I have to agree. The TARDIS shots were of great contrast to all the fantastic lighting in the sewer. Mm-hmm. the sewer. How many times do you like, Stuart? <laughs> <laughs> Don't and mention Stuart. Also, of course, we had Davros himself playing Unmasked. a human being. Yeah, Tegs Malloy, Terry, Duke. a different part. Obviously, he was uh, the same director as from... Uh, Revelation of the Darks, Resurrection of the Resurrection, Darks. Resurrection, yes. Which is how he got the part. But it's good to see him outside of the uh, the mask. He, he was very good at dying and then disappearing next week. <laughs> yes, the amazing cleaning TARDIS. M- more problems with continuity there. <laughs> And also, coming back again in a slightly different guise, but not much different, is the cyber controller. It is a fat controller. <laughs> yes. He had put on a bit of weight, Michael Kilgareth. So, so we're to assume then that the cyber controller didn't get destroyed in Tomb of the Cybermen. No, that head coming off that you saw in Tomb of the Cybermen was just a flesh wound. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've lost already. <laughs> And also, we see again, the first time since Unearthly Child, the Foreman Junkyard. Obviously, you see it again in Remembrance. Arguably better done in Remembrance, but... In a slight spelling uh, <laughs> error in, Yeah, in another continuity era. Is it Trotter's Lane? Totter's Lane. Totter's Lane. Yeah. What was it in Attack of the Cybermen? How did they spell it wrong? No, it's the Foreman. They, it's oh, the Foreman. foreman. Right, yeah. okay. I'm Remembrance. Foreman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is Barbara all over, really. <laughs> yeah. And so, after all that change, particularly with the TARDIS, we, we go back to a police box. We do, with, of course. With no explanation. It just breaks again. It does just break again. Like a lot of the uh, the stories from this season, we do have a lot of TARDIS scenes. And I'm all for TARDIS scenes, but there are a mm. lot in this particular season uh, as a side effect of having these longer episodes and building up to the different characters Hmm. the Doctor and Perry seem to get stuck in the TARDIS a lot more usually fiddling behind roundels not with each other (laughs) just you know (laughs) I quite like the scene inside the TARDIS okay the rooms are pretty nondescript back then but you can see they have more rooms which in New Who how often do we see inside beyond the console room hardly ever so I think it's it's a fair price to pay for seeing a bit more of the TARDIS even if it is just a old room. <laughs> <laughs> should we cover the cryons? Yeah. Yes. I think somebody should. <laughs> With a blanket, preferably. <laughs> so, so we have a script of a very angelic male race fighting the Cybermen on Telos, mm-hmm. and the director suddenly decides to flip it on his head and make them all women. Yeah. Celebrity women, Some Sarah women. Green women, yes. Faith, Brown Faith Brown women. Yeah. It's a perfect contrast to Cybermen. You've got the Cybermen, obviously all apparently male, and then you've got the, the apparently female cryons. Whether they actually are female is another question. <laughs> we're to assume... To us, appear to me. We're to assume the cryons survived the, the big explosion at the end. Yes. Okay. Scurry down into their caves. It's, it's just cyber control on the because explosions tend to be a bit on the hot side yes cryons tend to melt very easily maybe maybe i'm sure they were fine i'm sure they were fine (laughs) so the cybermen steal a time machine yes and then they want the doctor's time machine why not why not have two (laughs) they're starting a collection (laughs) well we know what keith's like with his daleks (laughs) 
<laughs> they weren't jubilee after the Doctor's time machine, it just he turned up, so therefore, capture it, why not? One is good, two is better. And I quite like the fact you don't really find out who Bates and Stratton are, mm. but you get the idea that they were the original crew from the time machine. So so we have a nine, 90 minute build up to Stratton, Bates, Griffiths, and their struggle against the Cybermen. Yeah them to get killed by a, a door. Well, one of them by a door, the other two by a side man coming out of the time capsule. Seems a bit of a waste of time, really. <laughs> <laughs> it's to show that the struggle is not always uh, successful. The problem with Doctor Who is often things end too happily, too neatly. Here, it's a very messy end. The Doctor wins. Just. Time machine is destroyed, the side men are destroyed. But Lytton dies, of course. Yeah. The Kronos survive. And, uh, but everybody else dies. The it's doc- a sad, sad story. Setting kids up for for the future, for their lives ahead, a hard, tough lives <laughs> before they before they have to sit through vengeance on Varos. <laughs> time lash, time lash, <laughs> and the build up to revelation. We have, I think, the first instance of Perry's all these tunnels Con- in this case. Tunnels. Look the same, yeah, look to, the me, same to me, yeah. Yep, a nice ongoing gag. And a lot of humour in here as well. Ongoing uh, leotards. Yeah. She was very distracting in that. Uh, <laughs> for the first episode, yeah. Th- yes. Then she put some clothes on because it was incredibly <laughs> cold on Telos. It was very chilly. Even she was... the doctor looking a little chilly when he was a captive there. He was. <laughs> but he can survive in space in Fort of Doomsday. But that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Of course, Cyber Controller doing his robot dance whenever he moves. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The... <laughs> Well, it was the 80s, wasn't that? (laughs) Maybe he started it. Yeah, probably. (laughs) I bet he can do some good head spins with that uh, that dome as well. And we have Black Cybermen, which we've never seen before or since, I I believe. Stealthy sewer Cybermen. Yeah. Racial equality Cybermen. Yeah, why not? Why not? And we see inside of a Cyberhead. Well, there's bits of inside. It's a bit metal in there. There wasn't much organic that I could see. No, you couldn't really see that much from the top. Presumably the brain would be encased in something with yes. the, the fluids and everything. You saw the chin part that we saw move in, a, in Earth Shock, yes? Earth yeah. Mm. Why am I doing Yoda? <laughs> <laughs> because it's the special episode. <laughs> I, I've heard both your, your statements, and I would have to say that I find Colin Baker's Attack of the Cybermen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your Honour. <laughs> Not guilty. <laughs> In fact, only just not guilty. <laughs> it is... In my humble opinion, the best of a bad lot. Ooh. With very little to choose from. So we have to pick the gems up where we can find them and wash off the excrement. (laughs) (laughs) Or is that later? Yes, yes. Why delay? (laughs) Colin Baker, overview. He's probably now regarded as being better served by Big Finish than... Yeah, a lot better. There was some movement going on in the background. uh, (laughs) Politics. Well, I mean, it's politics from the upper echelons and various things being shifted around. There there were some bad decisions and some bad timing issues going on there. BBC hated Doctor Who. Yeah. And it didn't take very much for them to attack it. Oh, yeah. yeah. And his costume really didn't help. Didn't say the right thing at all, did it? You look at the history. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you have stories of uh, Pat Troughton dressing up in various costumes. There was uh, blacking up as a genie, sort of a, a gin character, uh, yeah. being a seafaring character. Mm-hmm. John Pertwee, for his trying out his costume, he bought a lot of clothes from his attic. And I believe, I could be mistaken, but I believe much of his first season, he supplied the clothes for the Doctor. Oh, right. Okay. Throughout, throughout the yeah. whole of his first season. Yeah. Tom Baker, I think, was finally fitted out in a costume that was very reminiscent to what he wore in the film The Mutations. Oh, right. Peter Davison, again, that was J&T, but it was inspired by uh, a cricket match. It was. That was perhaps the first over-designed costume, that but was, it was yeah. fairly subtle. If you want to go if you want to go for the first over-design, you've got Tom Baker's last season, The Purple. I'm not against it. It was good, It was, a, but it was a costume. It wasn't what he was wearing. It took all the elements of his previous mm, yeah, design and yeah. then sort of we, made we, it all it, into yeah, one. We had, yeah. because, because we had his set look, it was mm. already established, yeah. you couldn't have changed that, but it turned from clothes that he wore to a costume. That's it. I'm not sure about Paul McGann or Christopher Eccleston, but I do remember uh, David Tennant having long discussions about what his doctor would look like. Yeah. He was specifically worried about the silhouette. He wanted to be rec- recognised as the silhouette. They try that to all new yeah. who doctors. And then we've recently, I think it was a lot, I mentioned it on the last podcast, we've had these photographs of Matt Smith's yeah. costume tryout. But the information we get from Colin Baker is this is the costume, that is what you're wearing, end yes. of. Yes, yeah. he had little or no choice in it. Yeah, yeah in it fact, seems. He, he asked for the exact opposite, didn't he? He wanted a dark costume, yeah. actually yeah. black, and yeah. John Nathan Turner went the complete opposite. Yeah. And it's interesting to note that with John Nathan Turner's first choices, with the Tom Baker, we had it all burgundy, yeah. with Peter Davison, we had it all sort of cream with red cream and trim. And, yeah. and by the time Colin came along, JNT almost rebelled against himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just thought we don't want it matching anything else within the costume. We yeah. just want to go yeah. completely loud. We don't want to eat the, the, we want the coat to clash with itself. Yeah, yeah. which handstrung him from the beginning. We yeah. want this appalling. We want yeah. him to be remembered. <laughs> it's not just costume because it's also Colin's partly to blame for this, but the odd decision to make the Doctor deliberately unlikable yeah. at the beginning, and then, and then back to, to make him more likable as time yeah. goes by. You don't want a character who's unlikable at the beginning. Yeah, you can make him. Die after you, you go c- along yeah you, you can make him moody you could possibly make him an unlikable character but to do that you've got to have someone else in there as a likable character mm. hence the uh, the original setup with William Hartnell and uh, William Russell yeah true. you had Hartnell's doctor as the anti-hero mm-hmm. but you had the hero there as in Ian Chesterton yeah and that's if they were going down that route they should have added another male character for you to root for maybe obviously you had Perry who was likable character but it just meant they just fought all the time yeah but yeah, no, so no no disrespect but perry may have been a likable character but she wasn't a particularly strong character no that yeah. that was the trouble right from the word go with colin's doctor you, you sort of begin to ask yourself well why is perry even there yeah because oh, i yeah. wouldn't stand for someone yeah. talking to me like that Definitely. even attacking he, her yeah. yeah first story yeah, yeah then, attacking her constantly shouting at her belittling her i mean he didn't the first, doctor didn't even treat tegan like yeah. that first time it landed on an earth type world or compatible world you'd be off yeah exactly yeah. and he threatens to do that in time less, doesn't yeah. he? when he she disagrees with him yeah yeah another scene written by john nathan turner <laughs> 
<laughs> I think it's in the commentary for this DVD for Attack Simon. She says um, the, the idea was that by this story, by their second story, they'd be getting along a lot better. They still bicker a bit. Yeah. Mm. But they'd basically be getting on. But writers for later stories were just kept reverting to them hating each yeah, other. Yeah, you. Said because that, of that first story. Because of the big first. Gap. Yeah, because of the first story you saw. Yeah. And you had yeah. the big gap. Everyone saw that one as their template. Go back to the first of the trial, Impossible Planet. Mm. The Doctor is still arrogant. The Doctor is still shouting, but it's tempered with humour. Yes, yeah, affection. Yeah, what sticks in my mind mostly is Perry's line: um, "Is there any inhabitant, or in- intelligent life here at all, other than me?" You mean? <laughs> now, in the first season, that would have been shouted and it was stormed off. But yeah. in Possible Planet or Mysterious Planet, yep. it said with a smile on his face. Yeah, it's yeah. tempered by humour. Yeah. And the relationship had been softened during tw- season 22, just about towards the end. It mm. was beginning to soften, but then you get to Time Lash and there's big arguments. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they, they reverted back to type again. Over-the-top uh, yeah. fights and things like that, and it sort of ruins it. So it's nice to finally get to trial and see them getting on together, yeah, yeah. even though it's leading up to the end. Yeah, and then she's only in two stories anyway. Yeah. 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 This season is also... You have a lot of clashes, I think, behind the scenes between the producer and the script editor. They yes. both had very strong and different ideas yeah. about where it was going that ultimately resulted in a breakdown of relationship to which one of them walked out. That's yeah. it. And, and John Nathan Turner did put his foot down with some things, but for the most part, he left his script editors to get on with it, to find the writers, to work out what yeah. stories did or didn't work and to put the extra effort into each script if it needed it you know yeah one of my problems and one of the things i think with colin's stories and again not pointing directly at colin is somewhere along the line someone decided to make this more adult Mm. and in making the adult they fell into the old trap of sex and violence equals adult entertainment I think that was Eric Saywood yeah, yeah. yeah. oh yeah more violence in it yeah but the surprising thing is that they did it just as Doctor Who returned to Saturday Tea Time yeah yeah. yeah, that it should have been marketed for a, an adult audience, or had a, a cut version earlier on for children. Yeah, like they used to do with Buffy. Yeah, on, when they That's showed it. Buffy on the first Sky. time on, no, when they showed it first time on BBC, they would show it on BBC Two at six o'clock, and then they would also reshow it at BBC Two eleven o'clock, and you had two different cuts. One I did not the, know that. One was the tea time cut. One was the so-called adult cut. I actually saw uh, the Hellraiser film at about midday at the weekend. Really? Yeah, I couldn't believe it. Cut the scripts, um, presumably. Well, yeah, some of the stuff in there. I mean, just the Hellraiser himself. Yeah, 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 true. You wouldn't expect that on a... I think it was an Easter weekend. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's... Lots of challenges, a lot of problems with Con's era. Most of it is not at all down to him. He was perfectly... He he was the front man, so he got blamed. Yeah, yeah. As we see in the, uh, the audios, he's a really good doctor. Oh yeah! Once he gets the right stories, once he gets yep. a chance to to really act the way he wants to act, it. yeah. Around about this time when I was doing conventions, and he mm. would go to conventions, and he would show up at convention, and it was great because the conventions I did, the stars were allowed to wander around, and mm. you could see he was human. He was a great laugh. He was a an entertainer. Yeah. He's a good chap, man. Yeah. I still see him now. Yeah. Well, I just remember the first time we showed the head of poetry to him. Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah. he grabbed it by the, uh, the scruff of the hair, took it to the centre of the little auditorium, and bellowed at the top of his voice, bring me the head <laughs> of the other doctors. <laughs> and it was just a case of, Mr. Baker, sir, would you care to have a photograph <laughs> of our head? And, oh! 
oh, grab. Yeah, yeah. And, and that is the sad thing about Colin Baker's era of Doctor mm. Who. Out of all of the actors, he had the roughest ride. Oh, yeah. And, oh, far, and what annoys yeah, yeah. me is occasionally he still does. Yeah. Yes. The, yeah, he, a certain he, he, book comes out. Yeah, the, he, yeah. yeah. The amount of violent scorn that's directed at him occasionally is shocking. And he, there's no need for it because he is virtually innocent of yeah. all the accusations pointed at him. And he is a thoroughly bloody oh, nice guy. Yes. He is. Yeah. It's a real shame that they sacked him. If he'd stayed on for another year, I think he would have turned it around. People yeah. would have really come to like him. Yeah. His, his doctor. Because uh, he was already going that way where people were starting to respond to him. And yeah. It was just beginning to turn the corner. And again, it, Even if it would have had Mel for, <laughs> yeah. 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 for another year. But uh, yeah. But of course, Pretty BBC shame. took the show off the air and then suddenly said, no, no, you're doing it again, but we're not going to give you any direction. So yeah. you've yeah. also got that problem. Get, you, you, what is it? You're doing it all again and you're placing all the same people yeah. that you used last time. Didn't even tell him to change the costume. Yeah. No. That, Nothing. That's something they should have done, but yeah. it was the 80s. <laughs> yeah. it, it was the perfect opportunity as well, considering trial was meant to be past, present and future. Yeah, yeah they could have had him, well, past I mean, ones with him in the old gospel, yeah. and the present and future. Well, that is one of the things that you have to point towards Big Finish, some of their later. Same costume, but in blue, not clashing yeah. colour. It's the same cut. Yeah. But they've done a, a blue version. I prefer the blue. It yeah. looked very good in Revelation with yeah. the royal blue. Yeah. Be- mm. Mainly because that coat wasn't against the snow, I <laughs> That's think. That's it, yeah. <laughs> that would have yeah. been... Anyway. Yeah. Well, yes. yes. A missed opportunity there, but... Definitely, uh, definitely. The darker years, I think this, that yes, was. Yes, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, for your delight... We shall Ooh. play Connect Four. <laughs> Not physically, uh, but oh, verbally. I've got to okay. okay. Put your things away. <laughs> For now. Okay, first of all. Yep. Triple. Shatner. No. <laughs> Next. Wookie. Creature, furry creatures. Indeed. Yeah! <laughs> I got one! Told you it was easy. And uh, the next one was Yeti. Right. <laughs> yeah, and if you really didn't get it, Ewok. Okay. <laughs> Very cosplay. Yes. <laughs> Things to bonk at a convention. <laughs> Cut that bit out. <laughs> Dangerous static here. Yep. Well, I, I, mean, I was just thinking of uh, Paul, hmm? the Simon Pegg film. Oh, yes. Paul. I've not seen it. Uh, anyway, okay. Green crystals. Green crystals. Green crystals. Bari, Superman, balance cones, balance cones, circus, <laughs> nope. no, 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 conceptual geometer, TARDIS or something like yeah, that. Yeah, components of the TARDIS. That's it. Which, which you, would, you would have got the last. You could, would have got the last one. It's zigzag plotter. Oh yeah. <laughs> Green crystals, eh? Green crystals. That Which was, one was the green uh, crystals. Green crystals. I think was war games. The Sidrat Sidrats only had a limited life because they don't have the green crystals that function in a TARDIS. Something that's all black and white. Only found on Gallifrey. <laughs> oh well, that told me. Yep. <laughs> yep. No wonder I didn't notice them in the black and white era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Adam, have you got a hard one? Uh, as it were. Um... <laughs> Don't wish to know that. Clearly, <laughs> leave the room. Okay, Davison. Doctors have also doctor. been vets. <laughs> nope. Okay. Egbert. No, I'm completely <laughs> lost. No. Uh, yeah. No. All right. For two points then. Dickinson. Oh, okay. 
So Sandra Dickinson. Maybe. Egbert. Button Moon. Yes! Yes! Fourth <laughs> <laughs> one being Spoon. Oh, dear. <laughs> Heinz Baked Bean Tin Spaceship. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear. Bean to oh, dear. Don't. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> oh, yep. that was fun. I really enjoyed that. I got stuck in a queue at one of the conventions with them, that playing over the PA system. <laughs> Live <laughs> by Peter Davison and Sandra Dickinson. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they've yeah. made Torbage up. Torbage version. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not sure if it funky was, in the middle. Yeah, I'm not sure if it was live, but it was being played <laughs> over the intercom, and I was in a queue somewhere. I can't remember where, but just that on repeat. <laughs> it's always good to get a button moon reference in there. Oh, good old button moon. <laughs> They're fine, fine themes. It's too. a button, you know, Keith, and it's a moon. Yeah. Get on with it. <laughs> So, now, as, as Gene, Gene requested... Thank you. As Gene requested, who <laughs> is not here... He's not here, yes. We're going to talk about Star Wars and the impact, cultural or otherwise, I suppose, on the world. <laughs> right! Can you cast your mind back to 1977 or 76 if you're in America? I uh, it was 77, I believe. It was yeah. 77. I can't quite go that far back. I can. I was but three. I'm gonna... <laughs> <laughs> I think this was probably the first and only film I ever saw with my dad. Oh, right. Okay. One, the one he took us out to. I think basically because he wanted to see it himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So fond memories? Yeah, Bond yeah, 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 good, yeah. Good. Was he impressed? I think he was. That's I the main thing. Yes. It's also when it was repeated with Empire, that was 1980, it was the first film I went to see by myself. Oh, okay. They did a, they did a double bill in 1980, it was Star Wars and Empire. Yeah, were you at 20 then, though? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> One of the first films. Yeah. But um, culturally, I certainly think you can place films... Pre and post Star Wars. Yeah, a few months back or whenever it was, we went through a TV series. Yeah. Of the last fifty years or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. There was a quite distinct before and after Star oh, Wars yeah. with the TV series. Yeah. But on the on the film front, it was one of the first films, if not the first film, to have no credits on the front. Yeah. The credits were at the end. Yeah, yeah. and it and I believe he got in, yeah, I believe he got into trouble for this. But what, well, uh, particularly in Empire, they allowed it for yeah. Star Wars and New Hope is now called it. But when he did it again in Empire, they fined him quarter of a million dollars, which so, yeah. is a lot of money back. Then, and yeah. and what, he left the guilds. Yeah, what I do remember is I know this might be leaping back previously, but uh, it was a, a Danny Kaye musical. It's got to have been about fifties and sixties, somewhere around there, late sixties. Right. Yeah, and it, musical comedy type thing yeah and there is actually he does an actual song about sitting there waiting for the movie to start yeah yeah <laughs> you know sitting there waiting past who is it starring who is it directed by yeah. who the credits were by who the t-man is who the mic you know it's it's an amusing song but it's very true you you had to wait about three four minutes before the actual film started. Yeah, it's amazing. With the whole credit list. You look so, back on those old films, it's yeah. strange to see all the stuff at the beginning of the film. Yeah. It doesn't happen nowadays. No, no. It's Star Wars. Yeah, that's, it's one of the first things. You, you might get names of the actors and the director at yeah. the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as I say, more uh, these days, it's more... Casting director. Yeah, these days, it's more, it's more the production houses at the beginning. 
Yeah. It's beginning yeah, all to... All these different logos. Yeah, it's beginning yeah. to drift back to the production house logos. You know? Yeah, all the people have financed it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so take us back to 1977, Keith. Oh. Adam's three. I, <laughs> I'm minus two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's it. Thank you. <laughs> Why did we invite him round? <laughs> what use is this person in this podcast? <laughs> I, I, I've seen footage of uh, when the films were released and it seemed like it was a big thing, cues through the oh, street. Yeah. It was, I can remember, what is it, um, film 77, um, not Graham Norton. Um, <laughs> he was about three at the time. Yeah, he was about three at the time. <laughs> Barry Norman? Barry Norman, that was it, Barry Norman. Oh, Bazza. Yeah, and I, I can remember being oh, treated to stay up late to see film 77, because it was on sun like 11, 12 o'clock. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And it, it was t- just for this, this Star Wars scene. And, uh, and video recorder. Yeah. No iPlayer. No, no. no. I, I didn't have a video recorder then. Didn't get video recorded until 83. But you were Then colour. I had to buy that That's myself. Right. You were colour by then. We were just Okay, about that's colour. all right. Yeah. But um, going on the, the fact that it was an unusual film in the fact that it, it collected people as it went along. Yeah. You just started off with, well, Leia at the beginning, Leia and Luke. Droids. And then it slowly built up as the mm. film progressed which, again, he made a point to, because most of it, you have the core group right at the middle. All right, yeah. Yeah, most films you have, it starts off with, you know who they are, they're introduced in the first section, and off we go. While this one, it was picking up people as it went along. Yeah. So the world was blown away by Star Wars. It was, it was. You had the spaghetti westerns, which were filmed in uh, Italy, I think it was. Yeah. For a very brief period, you had uh, Italian sci-fi movies mm-hmm. that suddenly come in that were again every for about a period of five or ten years every sci-fi movie started with the ship going yeah. because of star wars yeah that was the first iconic shot which still looks remarkably good today it has does to be said yeah. Yeah, there is yeah. a, a lot that appeared in star wars that has since become iconic Mm. You go back and watch Star Wars now, the original cut, if you can find an original cut out there somewhere, it would seem cliché now, because most of it has been used in other shots, in other films. You're you're following those tropes again. Yeah. So for you and me then, Adam, mm-hmm. Star Wars was always around when we were little. Pretty much. I'm told I saw it. It's probably the first film I ever saw, I'm told. Yeah. Uh, I would have been about three. It's crazy to think you'd take a three-year-old to see that. But <laughs> yeah. I did. It was such a big film that uh, they took me to see it. Everybody was going to see it. I think everybody recognised at the time quite what an impact it was going to have, particularly when all the merchandise came out. Yeah. Most of my memory of Star Wars is not watching the films. It's playing with the, uh, the, the Palatal. making up the story myself I I don't remember going to see Empire I certainly remember going to Jedi and being really disappointed with the ending when they killed off uh, (laughs) whatever they killed off uh, Darth Vader it's it's funny you say that because I had the same memories that friends had the toys I had Dapple figures I was collecting who but they all had Star Wars toys and there was just unimaginable amounts of them even down to the ships that you could collect yeah a load of ships which were just not in the films at all exactly yeah (laughs) Again, uh, looking at today, the, the, the merchandising bonanza that surrounds films was started with Star Wars. It was, yeah. You, don't, you didn't have any, or if you did, it was very few and far between toys. Very minimal. Yeah, that's for, it. connected to the films. And Lucas was a genius in that he retained most of the rights to the merchandise. Yeah. So actually the film made more money through merchandise than it did actually through yeah. screenings. Such things as Star, Star Wars, Wars Angry Birds. Birds. Yeah, yes. yeah. 
and it's still going on today. Yeah, despite, yeah um, and even in the wilderness years between the original trilogy and the prequels, it dropped off. But then it started to come back again before the prequels with the uh, Timothy Zahn books. Yeah, like you that. had the droids cartoon, the yeah. droids computer game. It never quite went away. Yeah, no, yeah, it's always, it's always there. And it's something else I'd like to point out as well is the method of filmmaking. Any special effects, any model... But there was model work before Star Wars. Star Wars made it... Of course, it, in Star Wars, yeah, yeah, yeah. Star Wars made it, but yeah. before that, the director or the writer would always spend time showing you what he'd done. I, you'd ha- uh, best way to sum it up is uh, Star Wars, uh, Star Trek. I know this is 79, after, but yeah. the amount of time we spent gliding around the Enterprise, looking at it from all different angles, yeah. look what we've done, yeah. Yeah. this is a wonderful model, see how we've built this. Where with Star Wars, it was just bam, straight in, this is the setting, go. Yeah, And it was a very lived-in universe, oh, yeah. too. Yeah, it was Not like, like Star Trek. No. And no. most sci-fi at that point, it was all very shiny yeah. and clean. Pres- yeah. Pristine, no dirt. Bit antiseptic. Yeah. Where Star Wars felt more real, despite... Lived in, I mean, grimy, rugged. The, the best one yeah. to sum it up is the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. What a piece of junk. But, yeah. you know... Point and that's it. <laughs> maybe, maybe programmes like Star Trek suddenly realised, well, if we're going to come back, we can't do that cheap series we did in the 60s. Oh. We're going to have to go for movies. That, gonna, well, yeah. Star that Wars is, stopped it being a new TV series. Yeah. 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 Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, because it was going to be uh, Star Trek Phase 2 TV yeah. series. And Star, suddenly... Star Wars game. We can make film. I mean, oh. it... Yeah. It also affected a lot of things. We had, because of uh, the droids, we had K-9 in Doctor Who. Yeah. I mean, the the entire Graham Williams era, they were putting most of the budget aside for the odd models shot and the the sets and scenery and the props were all suffering because they were pumping all the money into special effects. Yeah, and also we had, um, what is it, the, the, the proposed film Doctor Who meets the Scratch Man. Yes. There is the rumour that um, Tom Baker and Ian Marta walked out of uh, Star Wars realising they'd written it too small. The Scratch Man was, they'd accounted for what was previous Star Wars, i.e. budget and whatever, and yeah. there was writing for that. And then yeah. they saw that uh, Star Wars and suddenly... Everything's changed everything, now. Overnight, the, everything changed. Yeah. My memories of Star Wars growing up are pretty hazy in that they were usually repeated and I was never quite sure which one I was watching or which one I'd seen. (laughs) But I finally sat down and watched the entire trilogy in Mm -hmm. one night, the originals, not the extended, remastered, sitting in between two full-size Daleks (laughs) in my friend's living room. And I really, really enjoyed them. And there was so much I'd missed and an entire film I hadn't seen before. Mm. But I've managed to pin my first memory of Star Wars. Oh, right, yeah. It was Muppet Babies, <laughs> okay. the cartoon. They used yep. to go on weird tangents where they'd be in a land of make-believe and Darth Vader would be dubbed over there. So that is my first memory wow. of Darth Vader from the Muppets mm. Baby cartoon. As I say, it's still being parodied now. I mean, we've just yeah. recently finished the uh, the Family Guy Star Wars trilogy. Yeah, Robot Chicken. Uh, Robot, Robot Chicken, Chicken yeah. yeah. I mean, they... Robot Chicken started off playing with Star Wars toys, for want of a better term. Yeah. Overdubbing them. and Spaceballs, of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Spaceballs, another brilliant film. I yeah. really enjoyed that. And, yeah. I mean, even at musical uh, music festivals, you're going to get people dressed up as Stormtroopers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the 501 Legion. It's across the world. The, yeah. the Stormtrooper Legion. Yeah. Has various groups in various worlds cosplay. And also, as a consequence of Lucas, we have things like uh, ILM. 
Yeah. That yeah. was created yeah. for Star Wars. Specifically. Yeah. And the amount of work they've done over the years to advance the art of uh, computer graphics and special effects, Jurassic Park, all sort of stuff, that's all ILM. Yeah. The um, Skywalker Ranch and yep. also the sound department, what's it? THX. Sky- THX, that yeah. was... which is still around, and that has brought a lot of cinemas up to spec mm. with uh, with sound. Yeah. And uh, had its own relaunch as well with the start of The Phantom Menace, and all of a sudden the films became very uh, CGI-orientated, yeah. yeah. they depended yeah. on it. Well, mm. there's various opinions that may have gone a little bit too far. Yes. Yeah, Don't listen to Jar Jar. Yeah. yeah, he had lost the plot a bit there. I think he was looking too much at the technology rather yeah. than at the, the, the story the, and the, the characters. The characters and story were the idea of movable props. Yeah, so, I, I really. The one thing I will say about the, the the release of the second three films is that I miss the model shots. It, it, you're not quite sure whether you're watching it, it, it's real or it's CGI. What, what summed it up for me was Ewan McGregor explaining how he was sitting on a green background on a green box pretending to ride a horse into the sunset (laughs) (laughs) and you compare that as roughly at the same time to serenity where they made a mock-up of the mule attached the mule to a back of a truck put the actors in there and swung them around (laughs) yeah what one was more believable absolutely when you when you actually saw the look of pure terror on the actor's face (laughs) as the thing is you're pulling about two G's as the thing whipped back, or no disrespect to him, little McGregor standing there hopping up and down on nothing. <laughs> and yeah. of course, we're about to move into a new era of Star Wars. Yes. Mm. What does this entail from the extended universe? Because that now has been been wiped clean, forgotten about, ditched. Who knows? Who knows what J.J. Abrams has in mind? Oh, yes. Yeah. I think they've got a good man to hail, uh, helmet, and I'm quietly <laughs> glad that the throat of Lucas has discharged the reins slightly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was becoming more of a problem than a, well, a solution. Uh, even, even in the early days, uh, the actors tied him up and got him to recite his own dialogue. Because <laughs> yeah. it was that bad. We <laughs> just see what they do. Yeah. But another thing we, we must mention before we quickly finish is the music. Oh, God! Oh, yes. The iconic. Yeah. I, you know. And it reinvigorated the whole idea of symphonic music yeah. in yeah. films. At that point, it all gone quite dreary and a bit disco but here we have a very classical something uh, soundtrack sp- specifically written rather than ripped off of um the yeah. latest disco beats yeah something yeah. a bit more original yeah whatever your reasons of liking or disliking the um the sequel trilogy mm-hmm. the music even in that was iconic yeah really i mean so one that sticks out in my mind mostly is duel of the fates which is a beautiful piece of music yeah Droid Army attacks, so it's yeah, good. Yeah. yeah, lots of good stuff in there. Yeah. Like it or loathe it, you can't dismiss it. No. Ladies and gentlemen, we've been on a field trip again. With a head. Yes, yes. Out into the wilds of Derby. (laughs) (laughs) For this year's Hooverville 5.0. 
why it's got the point zero on, we never found out. It's a play on 50. Yeah, yeah. it looks like 50 if you squint a bit. Ah! Or ah. just have my eyesight. Oh! Anyway, yes, it's our annual podcast convention, or Doctor Who convention, spliced with podcasting. Mmm, good old Whoville. Yep. Always recommend it. Oh, uh, yes. yes. Always forget to recommend it. Mind- before, yeah, before, before it actually happens. happens but yeah. afterwards. Yes, it, it was my first, and I thoroughly recommend it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's a great little convention. A one-day event yes. in Derby yep. at Quad. Yes, Derby City Centre. Literally Derby City Centre. Yeah, so. yep. yep. A lot of great guests we had uh, this year. David Goodison. Yeah. Annette Badland. Yep. Dick Mills. Simon yep. Fisher-Becker. Lisa Bowman. Graham Harper. Andrew Cartmel. Kevin Davies. Roy Holder. Prentice Hancock. Annika Wills. Yes. Lots of people. Um, me and Jean arrived the evening before the actual convention. And we managed to actually have dinner with Annette Badland. Oh. It's quite a, quite a very entertaining little discussion we ended up having. We were stuck mm. in traffic. <laughs> yes, Listening were. to the ballads of Sergeant Beck. Oh, <laughs> I, I didn't gloat when I texted. I didn't <laughs> And Hitchhiker's on a loop, wasn't it? Yeah, indeed. Because <laughs> that's how you listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> but the actual convention is, what is it, Steve Hutchinson? Steve Hatcher. 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 Sorry, I beg for forgiveness getting your name wrong. And he's. Oh, this is about the fifth year he's organised it. Yeah, um, it is a fifth yeah, year. It's a, it's a fun one. I would it enjoy is. it. We, ha- we had, who did we interview? We interviewed... Roy Holder. Roy Holder. Roy, uh, Staggering Stories, we interviewed Roy Holder. My I first interview? I think this is his first con or one of the first cons because he hasn't been invited to a lot and I recommend any convention organisers out there please he is a witty raconteur a good speaker can put on quite a few voices I'm I'm surprised by the range of his voices and Mm. accents that he can actually do he was really enjoying himself yeah oh god yeah yeah Probably say who he is. He played Krelper, is it Krelper from Caves of Anzani? Anzani yes, and he yeah. was in Star Cops. Yes, yeah, that's uh, right. In the final episode of Star Cops is Daniel Larwood. Uh, yeah, investigator. So I would recommend he's got stacked loads of stories. The one he entailed enthralled us with was the pill shot from Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. where he's he's literally dangling over the edge of the cliff right? yeah. someone on top of him and trying to force a pill on his in his mouth. Yeah. He was told that the safety all the safety equipment are tailed to a piece of rope being tied round his leg connected to a Land Rover <laughs> yeah. in case he fell off. <laughs> yeah. Health and safety, that's what we want. Yeah. He had Jean on his lap at one point. He did, he did, he did yeah. yeah. She, I think they both enjoyed that. They did. Yeah, something of his in, in her mouth, I believe. Ah, uh, the, the cigar, cigar. Uh, yeah, dear we, we cigar. He, he got our little Jean smoking. Flavour. Our flavour. Yes. Unfortunately, I recorded all of these. Uh, oh. But yes. I lost them all. You lost them all? Yeah. What happened? The SD card literally snapped in two and I put it into the reader. <gasps> oh, jeez. So, so by that logic, we should have two copies. Yeah. Oh dear. Oh, it's unfortunate. We don't quite together anymore. Yeah. Um, Did you speak fluent Anglo-Saxon? I no. I think hopefully there are copies out there. Yeah. There's more than enough people there. Our little interviews were held not in the main stage, but slightly off in the podcasting room. Yeah. Podcasting room. Very few other attendees ever come into it. Only ever podcasters. Yeah. You're welcome to come in there. Oh yeah. It's always always open. Always signposted. Yeah. And it's all it's good because particularly this time we had no break. Just had guest after guest yeah, come in. Yeah, yeah. Different groups of us interviewing them. It's a more sort of 
little intimate than, yeah. than the main stage. You get different sorts of questions, a different yeah. sort of atmosphere to the yeah. interviews. It's a bit, bit freer, a bit funner, I think. Yes. And yeah. Simon Fisher-Becker, is it? Yeah, he, he sort of adored. walked in and came in with his own entourage <laughs> yeah. fans. He just yeah. brought his own yeah. little group in with him that sat through his interview. We've been with the, I've seen him at a couple of conventions. Yeah. And he's always a good, he's a good, good for a few stories, yeah. good for a laugh. Oh, he was Aldabar. quite funny. Yes. I got to interview uh, Kevin Davies, Kevin yes. John Davies. Uh, yep. 30 years in the TARDIS. Yes. And uh, the Hitchhiker's documentary, which is weird because I'd met him before at the Flashing Blade picnic. Yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> and there uh, are podcast yeah. on the Flashing Blade. Podcast. That's it. He did uh, an appearance on theirs, and there I was interviewing him. <laughs> it's, it's kind of fun. Yeah, he's a good chap. But the most nerve-wracking was the Graham Harper interview. Oh, oh and really? I assumed that I was the only nervous one there. But it <laughs> no, turned I think out everyone was. I think everyone was discreetly. I won't say themselves <laughs> <laughs> it went really well though he yeah, really enjoyed himself and uh, as usual full of enthusiasm you know just yeah. like his directing style he, he met the head and he, I think he had a cuddle with the head if I That's remember it. right yeah maybe the, other the photos up on yeah, I think so he did yeah. there, yeah, Tim there was some lucky timing on your part you, you walked in after we'd covered Caves of Androzani ah, it's a shame it's a shame <laughs> we should have should have got Roy Holder in on that one as well <laughs> yeah. sat the in reunion. on that one but there we go yeah. That's it. but yeah, yeah he, I loved Revelation of the Daleks, and there he was, the director. Yeah, my, one of my mm. favourite stories. It was an amazing. And of course, uh, only director to do old and new Who. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So far, I think I he did say, like thirteen episodes of New so. Who. I think so, something like that. It, so, it yeah. was, was discussed uh, whether he'd be coming back, and of course, he he doesn't know. Hmm. He can't say. He made it sure that he would like to come back. Yeah, but, so if they ask. Yeah, when they last asked, he couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah, because it clashed. And, yeah. and I haven't pr- asked him since. And it's pretty ideal for him at the moment because he's recording Casualty, which mm. is done in the uh, yeah. yeah. same Cardiff. studio. Yeah. Yeah. Lock. Yeah. Yes. We've been there. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. Plug, plug. Yeah. I think uh, our own Lady Jing was actually up on stage. She was. She, was. Yeah. she interviewed uh, Lisa, Lisa Bauman. Bauman. Yeah. yeah. Which, was, which was quite an interesting interview. Yeah, it was you know. good. Yeah, that would definitely be on the DVD yes. when that comes out. Yes. So See. the main stage ones will be on the DVD. Yeah. yeah. Podcaster ones might... You might get a CD or something. See, I, the, the, they'll be out there on the Podcast Alliance somewhere, I, I'm sure. Hopefully. Yeah. I'm glad there will be a DVD, because I'm sorry, Gene, but I was in the podcasting <laughs> room. I did sneak out. That's the only panel yeah. I think I saw. No, I, made, I did make a point of supporting Gene out there, as I tried to make a point supporting you, but each interview you yeah. were doing, you'd started, and I couldn't really join. But I was in the room for at least half of it. There was one moment where Siobhan Gadishon <laughs> just turned around and said, Go find Adam. Bring him here now. <laughs> and there I was running around everywhere trying to find Adam. And I ran into the interview with Lisa Bauman, Jean on stage. And I was like, oh, I want to stay and watch. And I should take pictures, but I can't. And in the end, we found you and dragged you back. So it's fine. <laughs> what was that for? For an interview? That was for an interview. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, yeah. yeah. So my, my first interview, really, really nervous. <laughs> and the, the pictures tell it all. You can see where I'm about to ask a question, but the, the best ones are before I've even got a question in my head. You can just yeah. see the panic on my oh, face. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's God, I mean, it's my that's, turn. That's, that's what I mean. Certainly with this um, this type of thing, we're not an interview podcast. We don't no. necessarily invite guests. and so. Thinking of things to say. Yeah. It's just sat there and, oh, Christ, who the hell is this? What they've been in? Oh, God. That's yeah. it. I think we, we all went to the dealer's room at some point and <laughs> treated ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that quick good. image. 
But uh, the eye-opener for me was the enthusiasm of everyone there. Everyone was just in such a good mood. And you could literally run from room to room and and find something to occupy you. You had everything you needed there. You had the little cafe and everything if you needed a drink or something to eat. Little shop. Little shop or little Frankies. Oh, yes, yeah. Yeah. We did go, had breakfast at little Frankies. And then we seem to have started a tradition amongst the podcasters is to go back to little Frankies after it's all said and done and have something to eat. Yeah. Before we head off, and a lot of us this time, yeah, yeah, and we we dragged Kevin Davies with us, yeah, we and his son. And so I think, yeah, yeah, he got kicking and screaming and got dragged in, yeah, Yeah. falling asleep. (laughs) A matter of fact, I sort of met more podcasters than celebrities. (laughs) Yeah, there is that downside to it. Yeah, and I really enjoyed it. I think it's the first time we haven't got dragged up on stage. Yeah, yeah, and you know to do a podcast. Probably not much more the podcasts can say they haven't said in previous four years. Yeah, so I don't think it's necessarily. So if you're a regular, you just hold up the DVD. Watch this. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And the finale of the day was uh, we were all treated to some deleted scenes. Oh, yes. Of uh, 30 mm. Years in the Tardis of years, Colin yes. Baker and Nicola Bryant, yes. which were very funny. And, and Cybermen. And Cybermen yeah. <laughs> and a Cybermat. Yes. Yeah. Nicola can hear poke. Indeed. Yes. And raffle, got to mention the raffle. Oh, yeah. yeah. You won? I think. Every year, I think. I yeah, won. I think he's won every. It's definitely fixed somehow. He's a, the minions of uh, El Presidente have something to say about that. I, I bought 10 tickets and didn't win, but there's plenty of time for that next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I should buy the book if I have to. But, yeah, really good event as ever. Yeah, no, recommend I recommend it. We'll, if we remember, we'll plug it again next year. Yeah, <laughs> let's plug it for next year we'll now. Definitely be going yeah. next year. Oh, yeah, sure. yes. Stag- uh, Hooverville 6. As the man yeah. will return. Dun dun dun! Feedback time. Feedback time. Feedback. La, la, la. feedback. 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 Sorry. Are <coughs> you doing a Shatner? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, yeah. <laughs> okay, we have one here from Naya. Oh, hello. Hello, Naya. Hello, staggering storytellers. I'm horribly behind on listening. Four days later, and I'm only just to the discussion of accents in 166. Okay, that's not very far I can't remember that. I think we were complaining that Americans can't do British accents. Possibly, possibly, possibly. Which is a little bit of a... Generalisation. Generalisation. We generalise a lot. We we just want them to work on it a bit Uh, Anyway, but I thought it would be interesting to know that the the name of the American version has received pronunciation is Newscaster English. Oh, okay, yep. I've also heard genrication, and it's not quite regionless. It skews to the north because of the hard R, doctor, comes out as doctor rather than the soft doctor. Okay. I don't know if you heard of either of these men, but Alton Brown, the food scientist, and Stephen Colbert, or it's written Colbert, he pronounces it Colbert. Colbert. Stephen Colbert, yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah, the political satiricist. I can't pronounce that show. Why do you have to write these long, complicated <laughs> words? You know what I'm like. I'm working these false teeth in for horse, and you put things like this in for me. Oh, please, now. <laughs> hey! <laughs> Both speak newscaster English because they deliberately killed their natural southern accents. Ah. They've taken it out around the back and shot it. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> To make it on TV, as my father, who wasn't on TV, but like Alton Brown, wasn't going to be taken seriously as a scientist until his accent was gone. We should uh, mention somebody like um, Patrick Stewart, 
Oh, definitely, yes. Who has a very RP. Yes. That is not his native no, no, at all. He's, he's from up north. Northern, he? so he's yeah. got a... I, I've seen him occasionally, and he's had a broad northern accent when he drops back into his natural speaking yeah. pattern. And the same also, if, as it's a Who show, David Tennant. Tennant, yeah, of course. He's yeah. got a very Scottish burr to it, but... Even more so is um, Barrowman. Yeah, indeed. Oh, yeah. Yes. Every time you see him on TV, he's always putting on an American accent. Yeah. But his natural voice is Scottish. Yeah. If yeah. you see him in the outtakes, you'll hear him in his natural voice. Yeah, it he's, back. he's very careful not to act ever in public. Yeah. I don't know yeah. why. I'm going to listen out for these. Yeah. Northern Patrick Stewart, indeed. <laughs> and thank you, Scott, for bringing up Perry. <laughs> <laughs> there is an example of getting it horribly wrong. <laughs> And it's I, very ropey in Twin Dilemma. Yes. Yeah. It's yep. in uh, Plants of Fire. Yes, yes. Yeah, she got a lot better after that break, I think. It's probably not that much better. It's meant to see a, a, a coach. Um, <laughs> I bet that as many British actors who only think that they can do a good American accent. I'm looking at you, David Tennant, <laughs> as there are who could yeah. pass for American. Bob Hoskins and yeah. Hugh Laurie are brilliant. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. More on the rest of the podcast later. Naya. Thank you. Thank you, Naya. Thank you, Naya. And yeah, you're you're right. We probably notice it more because they're trying to do what we're speaking naturally. Yes. Whereas you would notice an American accent more when it's done very, very poorly. Yes. Naya would probably notice Perry saying patronise and patronise. Well, she mentions that in the commentary. She wanted to do it the American way, patronise, but they wouldn't let her. Mm, That's right, yes. Well, she wanted to say cops rather than police. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't have to do that either. Case of Androzani, she was saying glass rather than glass. Oh, really? That's quite northern glass. Oh, okay. (laughs) Glass. Yeah, all interesting stuff. Anyway. Okay, we have one here from Adrian. Hello, Adrian. Adrian. Thought you might like this series of blogs examining all the doctors. Oh, Oh, no, there's links. He's going to make me read out links. (laughs) Also, please ignore the previous four short emails. (laughs) (laughs) They are of no redeeming social value and don't need to be read out aloud on your show. (laughs) Hmm. Neither does this one, I suppose, either. (laughs) <laughs> Later, Adrian. Thank you. Do you have a link there? We have got a link. It's incredibly long. What's the beginning bit of it? Uh, basically, is it's a long, long blog, but it basically starts at www.digitalspy.co.uk. Oh, okay. uh, Doctor yeah. Who at 50 is Matt Smith, the greatest Doctor of all. Oh, okay. Okay. That's, okay. That's what basically the story is. Link in the show notes. Yeah. But, yeah, I like yeah. Digital Spy. I occasionally haunt that. It's one of the websites I occasionally I used to do quite a lot, but they seem to have dropped off on their Who News a bit. Hmm. Okay. I have one here from Will. Hello, Hello Will. Will. Hello, staggerers. We really can't get away from Doc 2 this year, can we? <laughs> <laughs> it's everywhere. <laughs> well, Moffat did say. Yeah, yeah. Those rubbish figurine adverts are everywhere. Oh, yes. <laughs> they really are bad. <laughs> In issue one, we get an 11th Doctor that Dad thinks looks like a lot like Lance Percival. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who this is. He says, nor do I. Uh, uh, who is Lance Percival, anyone? Anyone? Hang on, Wikipedia. Anyone? Oh, it's official if it's wiki. <laughs> Hang on. We don't know either. Not off the no. top of my head. I'm looking on Wikipedia now. Please occupy yourselves. Do, 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 do. Don't go back. I can sing Button do, Moon do, do, again. Do, do, do. No. Yeah. The rap version. <laughs> mm-hmm. We've been to Button Moon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes. I recognise Lance Percival. Okay, what's he famous for? Uh, carry on. Okay. Which character? 
or as oh yes, he he was the chef in one of them. Yes, yeah, he's not. One of the, he's not one of the, <laughs> that's as discreet as I can be. He's not one of the main Carry On characters, but he's one of the secondary characters that appeared in a couple of. I recognise the face. Hmm, it's okay. like a cheap man's Pertwee. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Anyway, Will continues. That <laughs> solved that problem. Anyway. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, Will. Yeah, we're on. We're, yeah, Will's talking to us. I'm still keeping my hopes up for a surprise Doctor Who day, showing an unearthly child, part one at five fifteen. But until then, we have no Doctor Who at all. No. 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 I believe some. No. Someone mentioned we wouldn't be able to move for Doctor Who this year, but yeah, he meant adverts on. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, must be. Strictly fans have Mark Benton, who played Clive in Rose. I know him as Chalky. <laughs> <laughs> you can't call that Doctor Who, can you? Not, Not really. really. No. Didn't he play a, a fan of Doctor Who or something in that story, Rose, and then get shot in the face by an Auton? Yes. Yeah. Ah, yeah. right. Yes. Yeah. With you. Who else bought the Ice Warriors? We have, and I can't wait. I'm nagging to watch it, but for Dad, it's the last Doctor Who story that's not missing. Oh. I bought it too, I think. I think I've got it. I Apparently, it. It, technically, it is missing because they've got two animated, two animated adverts. Oh, yeah. two I have my copy ready to watch also. Anyway, only a short one for me today. Bye-bye, Will. Goodbye, Goodbye Will. Will. Yeah, there aren't many DVDs left to come out, are there? No. One wonders what they'll do now. I've got a short We've seen what they're doing. Reissue them. Yeah. <laughs> With extra, All extras. of the new Who upscale to Blu-ray. Uh, Anyone going for that with its own Sonic remote? There's only in the US getting that. Oh, well, that's just... I'm not even going to say it. <laughs> yeah. I was about to swear. <laughs> I've got a short one from Martin. Here we go. I don't want to know about your personal <laughs> problems. <laughs> okay. Yes, yeah, so... Hello, Martin. Hello, Martin. Martin. Just listening to episode 165. Yep. What's all the fuss about the young lad from the local hero being cast as Doctor Who? He's younger than I am. <laughs> Martin. <laughs> that was a short one. That yeah. was a short one. Thanks, Martin. Okay. Write some more, Martin. <laughs> I've got one here from Misha. Ah, hello, Misha. Misha. Hello, team. A couple of things, as I'm not long back from the yearly drain on my time and money, the end of the fringe. Ah, let's go to that someday. I did half mean to write with a word on the nerdier shows going on the Edinburgh this year, but as I failed, here are the ones to keep an eye out for on tour, etc. Ah, yeah. Number one, McNeil and Pamphlon go 8-bit. <laughs> Comedians, video, video games, comedian playing video games sold out in Edinburgh depends in what you get there's a London date on the 19th of the 9th okay beta males in Superopolis <laughs> comic book silliness with superheroes Lots of superheroes. Their flyout was an eight-page superhero comic this year. Really? Wow. Impressive. Three. Nightmare. Live. Ooh, as in the, the game. 80s and early yeah. 90s kids TV show Nightmare. Reimagined for the stage. <laughs> it's amazing. Comedians as Dungeoneers. Enthusiastic audience members wearing the helmet of truth. Also <laughs> sold out in Denderborough. First yeah. London date is completely sold out. But us in Brighton and Bloomsbury again in October. Ooh, that yeah. actually sounds quite interesting. I loved that program. Yeah. On a related note, you were discussing the band The Men Who Will Not Be Blamed for Nothing. I think yeah. that was the steampunk. It yeah. was, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, I can remember some things. Yeah. Not everything, but... 
who it just so happens are fronted by a comedian acquaintance of mine, ah. Mr. Andrew O'Neill, a man who yeah. looks far better in and off a shoulder dress than <laughs> I ever could. <laughs> okay. I, I, yeah, we're not going to go on down that Last route. time we had musical samples. Perhaps we should have photos. Uh, no, no. <laughs> Why not? That's all for now, Misha. Thank, Thank you, Misha. Thank you for an interesting letter, Misha. <laughs> yes, you really had an effect on Keith. <laughs> okay, I've got another one. Okay. This is from MMGS. Oh. Ah, Hello, MNGS. Tin Dog. Tin ah, Dog, tinny. indeed. Yes. And uh, if we didn't know, he goes on to say, Hi, let me introduce myself. You may already know my show. Michael M. Gilroy Sinclair, yep. host mm. of a reasonably popular Tin Dog podcast. Good old Tin. Yada, yada, yep. yada, astrology. <laughs> now, still not sure if you know who I am, but the Tin Dog podcast has been going for 330 episodes. Mm. So I'm kind mm. of an old kid on the block. Mm. I think I started the same time as Radio Free Scaro anyway. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, a lot longer. Well, I have a comedy yeah. written. Sorry, I have comedy written a play based on a simple idea. Mm-hmm. Okay, Blue Box Messiah. <laughs> yeah, I've read it. Two fans of Doctor Who discuss if their favourite show is in fact worthy to be considered as a religion. <laughs> <laughs> the play will be touring next year. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things I am doing to raise funds is I have a script listed for sale on Amazon and Kindle. Oh. Yeah. He's put links here for both the Kindle and the Amazon. Yes. He's put Cheers, MMGS. Ah. That's sign off. And he's put a list of www.tindog.co.uk, www.blueboxmessiah.co.uk, www.hustrology.com. Plug, 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 plug. Overplugged there. Yeah. Wow, actual... You've read it, have you? I've read it. I've got it, yes, yeah. In fact, I read it before he actually published it. Advanced copy, proof beta reader. Hacked his PC. Yes. Yeah, it's very good. Very interesting. He's actually got to put it out on tour. Yeah, that's quite an that's undertaking. That's going to be really good to see that. No, I, I, I see it's a two-hander. Can... Yeah, basically. So yeah, we'll have to see if it's coming anywhere close, and we'll grab some. Was yeah. Michael at Hooverville? He was. He was. was. Yes. Oh, that's why I yeah. thought I knew the name yes. from. Yes. Yeah. All this MMGS stuff. No, trying I spe- to throw I, me. I, I, I give up and just call him Tinny <laughs> <laughs> for Tin Dog. You know. Yeah. Right. We have a final bit of a written feedback here from Gareth. Hello, Gareth. Hello, all you staggering storytellers. Still no trailer. <laughs> I'm beginning to wonder if it looks a bit rubbish and the Bieber trying to hide the fact. <laughs> Hopefully if someone's seen it, they quit my mind to rest. Mm. Anybody out there? Been no. to San Diego? No, no. no, nobody in this room has seen no. it. I wouldn't watch it anyway. No, well, no, no, no. Me neither. How about a Doctor Room 101 segment? Ooh. Where people can nominate something to do with a show they would like to make disappear. Michael Grade. <laughs> <laughs> For myself, I would choose whenever you see a reporter or interviewer where at the end the reporter has to leave the TARDIS followed by a cheap and wrong screen effect or when someone from Doctor Who has to appear out of the TARDIS at the start of the interview this really annoys me yeah that is terrible <laughs> I'm so annoyed I'm off to throw socks at the primeval fan assuming I can find one <laughs> ooh he's crumbling he's probably not here at the moment but he's not here either yeah. can't throw any socks at him yet. he does like socks though doesn't he I think he does yeah, yeah. you may not get them back yeah they do melt away a bit don't they? Yeah. yeah it is a bit weird why do they always insist on it every time they find a police box somewhere for a doctor to come out yeah. of during an interview 
interview or anything like that. It's really yeah, I've, yeah. Oh, half the time with the wrong sound effect. And I seem to remember Blue Peter. Didn't Colin Baker make one of the cats dematerialise? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Step too far, I think. <laughs> Step too yeah. far. Anyway, he continues. A quick recommendation before I go. Oh, I've been watching an old kids show called Noah's Castle. A dark and gritty show about a family in dystopian Britain that is ravaged by hyperinflation and food shortages. It's pretty good, and I can't imagine it being made these days, especially in a kid's time slot. So, thanks for all your great shows. Gareth. Thank you, Gareth. Gareth. Noah's Castle. I can't can't say that. I think it was after my time, I think. Mm. Let's not wiki-break it. (laughs) No, no. Leave it to the listeners to look at Yes. Leave the mystery. Yes. We have a final piece here. It says, you haven't said hello to me yet, you Oh, oh, indeed. He's yes. been off running around. Yeah, I know. I know but he, Rampant. He's, he's been back on his post now. He's oh, he's covered in scratches. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, it's worryingly so. A bit musky smelling. Mm. <laughs> okay. Someone's been spraying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot you're a cat man. <laughs> hello, Head of Pertwee. And hello, Graham. Graham Plastic Amy's that are doing something we don't want to go into with naked plastic. Plastic Tom and Plastic Rory. Yeah. You leave there's my the, Rory the, alone. Yeah, there's more than one, Amy, and and, and <laughs> Nazi Spock, Graham, and the altar for Gunhilda Nobnacker. The urn. The urn. I think the adipose is a bit left out from all this oh, action. Oh, Graham, yeah. Graham the adipose. Yeah. He's too young. Yeah. Indeed, yes. Sheltered upbringing. Could at least have gone the TIE fighter. <laughs> <laughs> right. Last bit of feedback then. I think Evil Dave has sent us an audio. Oh. Evil Dave. Go for it. Your evilness. Hello, Staggering Stories team, head of Pertwee. Yada, yada, yada. This is Evil Dave, and I am just hours away from going down to Salt Lake City for our first ever Comic-Con. But first, a little about Indiana Jones. A while back, one of your listeners submitted some feedback regarding the Indiana Jones ah, franchise Jones. and discussed yes. his disappointment regarding Raiders of the Lost Ark. Now, outside of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, <laughs> I have a great love for the Indiana Jones franchise, and Raiders <laughs> remains my favorite of the series. I even mm. like Temple of Doom, which is even a better film if you compare it to other prequels. However, there is sure. a flaw with Raiders, and that's in the final act, wherein, after Dr. Jones threatens to blow up the Ark of the Covenant with a bazooka, he surrenders (laughs) to the Nazis, gets tied to a post, and in the exciting conclusion... His one heroic act is to close his eyes. (laughs) Meanwhile, in an almost literal interpretation of Deus Ex Machina, nasty spirits fly out of the Ark and kill all and sundry. This is an odd bit of storytelling to have your hero succeed through such a passive act as closing his eyes. And if you stop to think about it, Indiana could have just left and the Nazis would have died anyway, so his only real contribution was in saving Marion by getting her to close her eyes also, which, for all we know, she might have done herself, left to her own devices. But even with that flaw, I still love Raiders of Lost Ark, how it pays homage to the cliffhanger serials that they used to play before your feature films. Back in the 30s and 40s. Mm. And it remains one of the best collaborations between Lucas and Spielberg before it all went to hell with the fourth film. (laughs) While we're on the topic of Indiana Jones, I have 
a theory regarding the franchise, and that's that each film follows a particular religion. Raiders, uh-huh. with the Ark of the Covenant, follows Judaism. Yeah, Temple of Doom yeah. has a Hindu flavor to it. Yeah. While The Last Crusade clearly has some Christian overtones. Mm-hmm. And with the alien ghosts trapped inside a mountain, clearly <laughs> Kingdom of the Crystal Skull has its ties with Scientology. Now yeah. for the music, I promise. <laughs> My last feedback, I mentioned a dark cabaret musician by the name of Aurelio Voltaire. And his album, Bitrexual, is a collection of comedy songs that he plays at Dragon Con that all have to do with Star Trek, Star Wars, and similar. Mm -hmm. And on this album, he has a song about the Doctor called Bigger on the Inside. And so, without (laughs) any further ado, I present to you Aurelio Voltaire with Bigger on the Inside, off the album, Bitrexual. Girls, I am the doctor, but not the kind that gives you medicine. I've traveled throughout time and space just to please the human race. So let's not delete dally, let's begin. Now this thing you see here, it is my TARDIS. And with it we shall get this party started. In relative dimension In space it's quite an invention Some call it the doctor's wife Excuse me while I slip inside <laughs> It's bigger on the inside It's bigger on the inside Once you felt it inside I'm sure that you'll agree It's bigger on the inside But don't take it from me Once you felt it inside You will see <laughs> An evil nemesis We call the master to all kinds of disaster <laughs> On Gallifrey or so I'm told He gazed into a gaping hole And ever since he's been an awful bastard <laughs> And then of course we've got the Cybermen I hope I never see those things again Who knows what they're packing there In their silver underwear When you see them you should vacate your ass They wish to simulate It's bigger on the inside Once you felt it inside I'm sure that you'll agree It's bigger on the inside But don't take it from me Once you felt it inside You will see And pray you don't see any weeping angels Cause though it seems that they are made of stone They're quantum locked and in a wink If you turn your head or blink They'll get to you and chew you to the bone Buckets, there they are, the Daleks. <laughs> they whine so much you swear that they had colic. <laughs> it's destroy and exterminate. I think I know why they're irate. If they make it to the second floor, I'll show them what that plunger's for. You know it's bigger on the inside. It's bigger on the inside. Once you felt it inside, I'm sure that you'll agree. It's bigger on the inside, but don't take it from me. Once you felt it inside, you will see. They're asking Doctor Who What they should ask is how I am so very well endowed I must admit it's rather long If you think I need my scarf, you're wrong (laughs) You bloody pervs, I meant this song 
chocolate at the beginning of the podcast we needed that play (laughs) i approve i think that's brilliant (laughs) that was tappingly good very good very good good. yeah shades of jnt but very good (laughs) (laughs) yes maybe right i think that is it oh that sounds a shame now yeah the rest of the album on there (laughs) put a link to that in the show notes so everybody can find it yes right i think that is it Time to say goodbye. (laughs) Time to go home. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to Staggering Stories number 167. We have lots of laughs, lots of fun, lots of discussion, lots of eye-rolling, lots of groaning, lots of the head of Pertwee crawling over the floor with his lips, which is a sight to see. Until next time, this is Keith saying goodbye. Scott saying ta-ra. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> and if you ever want to send us any little notes, oh, shows, yes, or letters, or even rather strange songs, <laughs> we can you can send them to us at... Show at staggering stories dot net. Woohoo! Yay! <laughs> Until next time. Bye bye. You have been listening to Staggering Stories Podcast Series 1, number 167, featuring Adam J. Purcell, Keith Dunn, Scott Fuller. The views expressed here are those of the speaker and don't necessarily represent those of the other speakers of the site. No copyright infringement is intended, and this is an El Presidente production for www.staggeringstories.net. I know I've got a cold, because it's the only time I can do decent uh, Dave Bank in person. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Well, at least your microphone's got a guard on it. <laughs> oh no, bring out your dead. Oh, that's a relief, I got to the bomb. No, Tom Baker. <laughs> oh. Who, who's, who's you got? Uh, you got AC Crispin. That's, yeah. that's, that's the one I was, I was going to add to the addendums, because I, I saw it. I saw Anne and Carol and thought, no, (laughs) it's the wrong way round. (laughs) Are you eating off a DVD? He's eating off of Dexter. He's eating chocolate off of Dexter. (laughs) Are we recording this? Because that has to be recorded. (laughs) Adam is there. I'm sure I saw some plates in the kitchen. (laughs) Delicately leaking chocolate off of Dexter. (laughs) (laughs) Kill the worst lesson out. (laughs) (laughs) There's your title for the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, birthday boy. <gasps> what? You didn't want that one. Is that my plate? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't want that one. Oh, thank you very much. Okay, okay. I'll open this one first because it's smaller.
Oh god, it's <laughs> and I didn't cut my nails. Wait, so this is it. Welcome to Adam Purcell's Christmas <laughs> uh, present wrapping. It's always better if you play the Crystal Maze music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, is that a proper opening or is that a false opening? Oh, that, that, that's... Does he double wrap? Yeah. He's done that before. I am meant to be opening these now, aren't I? Yeah, well, oh, great. I, I I'm definitely going to open them now. Okay, okay, okay. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. A rough guide, too. Oh, my God. I didn't even know this existed. Neither did I. I've been nicking off of that, in, that off you in a minute. I shall uh, be reading this on the train up, I think. Yeah. You made... For the uh, radio play live... Oh, uh, yes. Middle of October, isn't it? Is it October, 24th? I know it was October. Yeah. I knew that much. It's definitely October. Just turn yes. up every day and you'll yeah, get it right. Yeah. Are we going in costume? <laughs> I, I do have a full prefect. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've got a dressing gown somewhere. I've, I've certainly walked... got a don't panic towel. <laughs> I, I walked around London before in my dressing gown and pyjamas. <laughs> <laughs> for something or other. I can't remember what it was. I could probably make a good glass of water. <laughs> yeah. There you are. If somebody wants to do uh, Zayford, yeah. Oh, yes, yes. Okay, I'm going to go for the big one. Good luck. Got to get a purchase. Wow, it's like it, it's impenetrable. It's made to be impenetrable. Okay. It's got to work for it. Oh, my God. Okay. Nothing comes easy. Okay, it's all sellotaped, which means I'm going to have to improvise and wet the corner away <laughs> like a cat. And the you've hooking got, of the got, armchair. You've got to worry the edge. <laughs> right, Edge is worried. Here we go. Not looking until it's unwrapped. <sighs> oh, Angry Birds Star Wars, the Darth Vader game. We, we could play this and not record a podcast. <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay, she's appropriate for tonight. Absolutely. Cultural impact. Yes, this is this is it. We're going to discuss this, the cultural impact. This is just one thing in present day. Angry Birds. What should we hit first? Ow. <laughs> no, you, 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 birds. I oh. just slap it a couple of times. I slapped it. <laughs> <laughs> Slapping everyone tonight. Karen's at home and she can't kiss it better. Oh, and the head of Pertwee's already tenderised you somewhat. <laughs> Head of Pertwee's out there making whoopee with cats. Oh, dear. <laughs> I occasionally hear the odd screech from the cats. <laughs> Not one of yours, is it? No, no, no. Always find, you know, coming in here and seeing a reincarnation of the thing. <laughs> Covered <laughs> eye slots and little legs and scuttling across the floor. He's looking at me at the moment. I know. Why does he keep looking at us like that? <laughs> Have you finally got over your squee double weekender? Oh, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> it, we were saying yesterday, it's nice to have a week off to take it all in. I mean, endless console rooms. Oh, yeah. Endless interviews. Oh, it's brilliant. See naked Tom Baker still enjoying himself up yeah. there. Yeah. Well, it's just, have you noticed Rory with the other two Amys? Oh, Look yeah. where the hands are. Look where the Ooh. hands are. You get off Rory, you dirty slappers. <laughs> he's, he's saying it's from the comic relief sketch, but I can't remember that <laughs> happening in the comic relief sketch. I like River and Matt Smith. She, <laughs> she's saying to him, no, no, keep the fez on. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Believe me, people, it's terrible here. <laughs> Got his quiff out. <laughs> 
Oh, that was an addendum. Apparently, it's official. Well, he's going to wear a wig. Yeah, he's going to be wigged up. Yes, he seems to have cut his hair again. He's not let it grow that much. <laughs> no. They got when we were wandering around the exhibit on the other the other weekend. Yeah. We saw the various hairstyles that the stunts had. Uh, the stunt doubles have to oh, wear. Oh yes. So there, there is a, a Matt Smith wig out there. So we have Tom Baker with a perm in his last series. Yeah. We have Sylvester McCoy wearing a wig. We have Paul McGann wearing a wig. Yeah. And now we have Matt Smith wearing a wig. Mm. He has worn a wig before. He has indeed, yes. Uh, Wedding of Riversong. Yeah. Look good with an eye patch. I think think he looked better the long hair myself, but that's me. How does it sound like when you drag your lips? Drag yourself along by your lips? (laughs) Slurpily, I (laughs) think. I love your shock saying goodbye. Goodbye? (laughs) Put your muff back on, boy. Sorry, Bath. His name is Oliver Queen. For five years, he was stranded on an island with only one goal. Podcast. I mean, survive. Now he will fulfil his father's dying wish and bring down those who are poisoning his city. My name is Reese Parton. And I am Lee Busby. I am Dean Hill. And my name is Sintra JF. And we are The Undertaking. Like most criminal organizations in comics nowadays, we have turned good and we plan to tackle one episode of the new season of Arrow each week. Join The Undertaking at theundertakingpodcast.podomatic.com on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash arrow the undertaking and also on iTunes.